All right, Acts chapter 18 and uh, verse 4. Uh, I believe the Lord led me here to preach Amen, brother. from this passage. Uh, Paul, he's preaching in Corinth about this time. And the Bible reads at verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall sit on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Uh, you'll notice in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that Paul, he started out in his ministry where it was small, where it was unreceptive. And he was not able to do much for the Lord. But his ministry did explode and succeed in the end. And you'll notice that God said something that was very encouraging at verse 10. I have much people in this city. So... The Lord encouraged Paul to keep preaching and to keep teaching because there were many fruits that he had. And the Lord says that I'm going to continually bless and provide for this ministry. So Paul, he started out with nothing and then the church just exploded, you'll notice, from verse 7 through 11. Now, I want people to understand that not every Bible-believing church is going to explode or grow big. Uh, Normally, about the majority of Bible-believing churches is small. It's usually small. Especially in this doomed day and age of apostasy, in the age of Laodicea that we live in, it's going to be small. Uh, and God says that there's no such thing as a worldwide revival. If you believe there's going to be a worldwide revival, you have not been paying attention to things around you. And most of all, you have not been paying attention to the Word of God. So God says that everything's going to fall into apostasy. You shouldn't be surprised by where our nation is heading toward right now. It shouldn't surprise you. That should be normal. However, God, even though he doomed the world, he never doomed the church. So even though majority of Bible-believing churches are small, there's always hope of exploding a small church. So I want the people to take heart and to be encouraged that even though we live in a day and age of apostasy in Laodicea, and majority of Bible-believing churches are small, that it does not necessarily have to be you, and it does not necessarily have to be your church. Good, God buddy. can grow your church, He can explode your church, and He can make it mighty. Good. He can make a city so apostate and wicked, but the church in that city, He can make it big and powerful. Amen. I believe in a local revival. I believe in a personal revival. I just don't believe in a worldwide global revival. Amen. But I believe definitely in a personal and a local revival. And we can certainly have it for this church. And right after summer camp, 
when you're heated up and when the enemy is attacking you and when you got hardship in your life, I just want to encourage this church, just let it go dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, all right? All right, so don't lose your spirit. All right, just explode and grow, all right? The reason why the devil's attacking you is because it's exploding right now and you just want to diminish your fire. All right, so uh, I just want to tell you when the devil starts attacking you harder... That means you should explode the church even harder. All right? So don't worry about it. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be strengthened that you can go on for the Lord. Amen. All right? It's a sign of good things to happen. Usually the devil devil doesn't attack if he knows something bad and something negative and backslidden and cold is going to happen out of your life. Yeah. Usually he attacks when he knows something is going to explode and grow. And be mightily used yeah. for God in your life. Amen. Amen. All right. So you should be encouraged rather than discouraged. Tile, my message today is explosion in the church. Let's pray. Father God, fill within me the unction and power of your Holy Spirit and wash away my sins with your blood. May our church be encouraged to keep exploding, Lord. Uh, you've given us a great revival. You met with us uh, last week, Lord. Thank you so much for that. But guess what, Lord? You still haven't left us, and you're with us right now. Yeah. Be with us again, Lord. Be with us again. Grow this church for your glory. And uh, if we end up small, then thy will be done. I believe that I can get at least a personal explosion out of my own life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to look at verse 4 through 7. Verse 4 through 7. Now, you'll notice that Paul, that he's aware of the struggles that he went through. At verse 4, he kept uh, preaching and teaching the truth in the synagogues. Verse 5, he was pressed and burdened for the people. But then at verse 6, he gave up and realized, look, this is a lost case. And he uh, said, hey, your blood be on you. But he did not quit the ministry. He kept on preaching and teaching the gospel, even though there were a good amount of people who rejected him. And verse 7, you'll notice that he went to preach at a certain man's house named Justice. But you'll notice that his household is joined very uh, close to the synagogue, to Judaism, to the people who hated Christianity and hated Paul's ministry. But that kind of struggle that he saw did not stop him from preaching. And you'll notice verse 8, 9, 10, and 11, he had an explosion in his church. And that's what you have to understand is that the majority of your life will consist of struggles before you accomplish something for the Lord. And let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that to say that the majority of your life must, not will, must consist of struggles in order to accomplish great things for the Lord. Amen. I say in Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, it's a famous passage where God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. And if you want God to mightily use San Jose Bible Baptist Church, I'm sure a lot of you want more people in the church, right? I'm sure uh, you want more souls to get saved out of this church. I'm sure some of you want our, our church to become more mightily used of God, right? Amen. In order to have that, there must be suffering. Yeah. There must be attacks. There must be hardship. Because without suffering, there is no power. Right. There has to be hardship in order to have more power. 
And that's what the Lord God did with my life in order for me to preach effectively and in the summer camp and to minister to you. God had to put, keep beating me down and beating me down so that I can preach to you something powerful yeah. given from on high. Amen. Preach. When, they, when you want power, there must be suffering. It's always up and down. That's what the ministry is. That's what life is. It's always up and down. It's not where you think that, oh, it's going to be perfect, humpty-dory, and I'm just going to keep climbing up. It's going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. Right. I believe that the Christian life, it's going to get better and better, but when it gets better and better, it doesn't go on a straight slope like this. It just goes like this. That's right. Amen. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> That's what it goes. It's always up and down. But sometimes it could even, sometimes it could even be where you go up, then you go really down. Yeah. Like really, really down. Sometimes it can get worse. And then you'll go up, but you'll also go really down too at the same time. And that's why Bible believers, they get easily discouraged. Uh, and they feel small. And the reason why that you always have that discouraged feeling is that you expect too much. You expect things to go better. Things to go by your plan. Right, right, right. Uh, one thing I've learned is that uh, is to not really go by a plan because God, He's going to always wreck my plan. <laughs> That's good, bro. So it doesn't matter how smart I am or how well I organize it, the Lord will always ruin it. That's one thing I've learned. Mm -hmm. So know this is that uh, don't go by your expectations because the Lord's always going to do the opposite. Right, right. So you expect things to go by your timetable, your schedule, your planning. You think that the way you expected the numbers to come in the church or the souls to get saved, it's going to happen that way. You expect that your timetable, that your goals, it's going to go like that. But the majority of your life, hey, reality show, opposite of that. Come on. Yeah. Yep. You might say, why do I have to know that? It's because that's why if you want to become a better person, it's to understand that reality. It's the same thing in life with whatever you do with work goals, school goals, school goals, church goals, your personal walk with Jesus Christ, your goals. You're going have to expect the unexpected, That's right. not yeah. expect the expected. Yeah. Right. When you live your life that way, then you won't be depressed and discouraged. Right. Because if the devil attacks, then uh, what do I do? Do I have to get discouraged and cry or do I have to say this is what's going to happen? Right. Now it's normal. I expected this unexpected thing. When I do that, then uh, I'd have more peace about it. But I'll definitely have no peace if I expect something good's going to happen without the devil ruining it. This is going to go the way that I plan things. No, it's going to be ruined. And then when it gets ruined, then what are you going to do? Cry and scream and tear your hair? Or are you going to say, this is normal, and I'm going to trust God and keep doing it anyway? Amen. Amen. Because when's the last time God ever let you down? That's right. Come on. Oh, did you ever prove God wrong? Nope. Hey, didn't he always prove himself true? Yes. yes. Then uh, why not trust him after Amen. that and just keep going? Trust him. It's that simple. Job chapter 23, verse 10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Right. See, when God puts you through trying and testing and struggles in your life, 
It makes you a better person, like I mentioned before. But what I mean by that is, if I'm going to be more specific, is that the more struggles you go through, the tendency is you make a lot of mistakes too, right? And when you make the mistakes, you experience the mistake. And when you experience the mistake, you know better how to handle the situation. And thus, experience is always better than just simply knowledge. Well, if I knew that bad thing was going to happen, then I would have done it better and uh, I would have uh, not gone through the bad thing. No, that's not life. Life is no matter how well you expect or plan things, you're going to go through a ruin and a wreck. Right. A more mature process is when you go through a wreck, how are you going to handle it? There it is. Not running and avoiding a wreck. It's when a wreck happens and you go through it, how are you going to handle it? That's right. How are you going to manage it? And that's how I became a better pastor. You might say, how so? Because I went through many mistakes and experiences of hardship in my life. And then because of that, I've learned how to better, better handle a church service. Right. And people right. who I talk to. And when I preach and when I teach. You perfect yourself. But if this pastor never went through a single mistake, then how would have I been able to get the church that I have right now? Now, if you look at the people around you, you have to realize this. This is not all just from some clever ideas or good resources the Lord gave me. What you're seeing around you right now costed something very great. Yeah, come on. Remember this. This all don't come without a big cost. That's right. This all don't come without great sacrifice. And you have to understand that, well then, Pastor, you must be telling me you must have went through immense struggles to pastor a church in the Bay Area yep. and to have a huge online ministry and even help out other churches. You're exactly right. Yep. I had to go through tremendous pain and struggle. And guess what? That comes with a lot of mistakes. Yeah. A lot of mistakes that I'm embarrassed to tell you about. Uh, if there's a diary of embarrassing mistakes, a... Uh, you want to read about on the one who won the world's guineas record on it, I feel like it's me. And I don't want to tell you everything that I did the mistake on. Uh, why is pastor able to have the wisdom to help you and correct you on some things that you don't make a mistake on, right? In life, in teaching or preaching, right? Because I went through that. Because yeah. I went through a lot of that. But that's uh, because of that, I became the... The one that received all this power and wonderful fruits from the Lord. Praise the Lord. All the great stuff you see doesn't come without cost. Yes, yes. So in order to explode the church and for God to bless it, you must go through pain. You must go through suffering. You must go through hardship. You must go through tears. You must go through trials in your life. Because it is through the tears, blood, sweat, and everything... That power comes on from on high. Yes. And you become a better preacher, a better Christian, a better person in yes. life. Amen, amen. Indeed, amen. Alright, if you want to explode the church, then when the devil attacks you, you know what you do? You embrace it. And then you take it in. And you learn how to better manage and control it. And then when you do that, then you're going to explode the church even higher. You know what I do? You know, whenever the devil attacks, you know... I get mad at the devil, right? Like, I get really, really mad at the devil. I'm like, why don't you leave me alone? But he won't leave me alone. And I'm like, you know what? If you're going to attack me that day, I'm just going to preach a better sermon, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. man. What about the devil? I'm going to take, I'm going to learn from this suffering. 
And maybe the devil will just get off my back a bit. How many of you went through a suffering and then you learned something? And you became a better Christian? Guess what you did? You went one up on the devil. That's what you did, man. So why don't you just go through the struggle? Why don't you just go through the hardship for Jesus Christ, for his name's sake, with like what the Bible says, with joy. Why? Because you come forth more as tried gold. Yeah. Amen, Pastor. St- suffering should make us stronger, not weaker. Yeah. And if you're going through suffering, especially after a big revival meeting, if you become weaker, then you have not taken the ex- suffering, you have not accepted the suffering, and you have not learned from the suffering, and you have not used the suffering for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now start using it. Verse 8. My second point uh, is be aware of the souls. Be aware of the souls. So if you're aware of the struggles to explode your church, to become more powerful, you also have to be wary of the souls as well to make the church bigger and powerful. Amen. Notice that Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, got saved. But not just him, it's all of his house. And not just his whole house, many of the Corinthians who heard believed. So Paul, he was, in order to explode the church, how his church became mighty, is he was aware of the souls. And the problem with us is that we are not. Matthew 9, 37 through 38 reads, Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into the harvest. The thing is, Jesus said that the harvest is ripe out there for the tanking to get souls. Yes. It's just waiting for grabs. But what God is mourning is we need more labors to right. go into the harvest right. to grab the souls. Now, the thing is, some of us might say, but pastor, that's not really true in my case. It's not right for the taking. People reject God. They hate Jesus Christ. When I street preach, they don't give me a thumbs up. They give me a thumbs down or they give a different finger up. And uh, they cuss me out. And they they say Jesus' name, but they sure don't use it in a good way, you know. They use his name. They take his name in vain, right? Uh, people reject my track. I mean, Pastor, I, bought, I got a hundred tracks and I got motivated from your preaching to pass out tracks, but I keep getting no's. I tried soul winning, Pastor. I even took your discipleship lessons, but just doesn't work. So uh, what do I do? What do I do? Well, the thing is, is that it doesn't matter if you're in a tough area. I mean, our, isn't our church in a tough area? Yeah. That didn't stop me, all right? And guess what? It ain't going to stop me, and it will not stop me, all right? You didn't see me die in the San Francisco Bay Area, all right? I'm going to be here till the day I die, unless God calls me otherwise. So it doesn't matter if you're in a tough area. The thing is, is that there are still many lost souls where no one harvested yet. All right, the thing is this, is that there are plenty of doors out here that the labors did not knock on yet. There are plenty of people here that the labors did not preach the gospel on the streets yet. You know why? Because the Christians are lazy. You know why? Christians are cowards. You know why? Christians don't care about lost souls. So God has given those people to you to reach. So what you must understand is that then does that not mean that if 
churches are not reaching as many souls here as they should, doesn't that mean more for grabs for us? Amen. Yeah, it means more for grabs for us. You know why Brother Jonathan has so many riches up in heaven? Because there's a bunch of lazy Christians giving him their handfuls. So he can win whatever soul he wants to around the world over here in this Bay Area. Praise the Lord. So you know when the church is smaller or we don't have enough people who listen to us and uh, we don't have a lot of people giving out the gospel. Hey, praise the Lord. That means bigger chances of exploding your soul list and number. Glory to God. I don't know why you're sad and you're whining and you're saying everybody here hates God, you know, stuff like that. Can you imagine everyone being a safe Christian over here? How many souls are you going to fill up in your list then? Amen, brother. Man, Amen. I, I've, heard, Wisdom, brother. I've heard too many Bible-believing churches saying, yeah, we don't have a lot of souls saved because nearly everyone in our town is saved. You know what? We should thank God we're in Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on, Let's just thank God we're Woo! there. Yeah. Let's just thank God we're here, all right? We don't need to go to Texas. We go to Texas. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. And then you get so discouraged, you're like, no one's going to get saved. There are too many sinners right here. I mean, wicked, yeah. vile, wretched yeah. sinners. Right. We're yeah. going to split hell wide open that Amen. need Jesus Christ. Let's Amen. 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 Alright then, so, you know what, I guarantee you, once you go out that street, the first person you're going to come across at is a lost soul who's going to burn in hell. And that's why, hey, it's up for grabs, man. Yeah. It's up for grabs. I mean, who's stopping you, man? I mean, there's a jack in the box right in the corner over there. Who's stopping you, man? Yeah. I mean, like, guarantee you 99% of the people there are not saved, if not 100% of them over yeah. there. Guarantee you go to the Target over there and then go to, go to all the places nearby. I guarantee you 99, if not 100% of those people are lost. Up for grabs, man. I don't know what's stopping you, man. I mean, after church is over, I mean... Grab a whole bunch of tracks, man. Yeah. I mean, fill up your list, man. Fill up your list of yeah, souls. Let's good. explode the church with yeah, our man. salvation and Woo. our soul list. Huh? Yeah. Pass out those tracks. Yeah, amen. Bless God. I mean, we can explode the church. You know that? We can. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a tough area. That means more souls to grab. Amen. Well, what if they reject Jesus Christ? Don't matter. You planted a seed. Yeah, and then you reach way more souls. And I don't mean like getting them saved. But I yeah. mean like reaching them with the gospel. Come on, you preacher. reach way more souls than a bunch of Christians did. Especially if you're a missionary in a tough field. You reach way more souls than any other Christian did. Wow. Thank you, Lord. It's true. Especially with street preacher, man. Do you know how many hundreds, if not thousands of people, if not maybe millions by now? From the past 10 years that we've done preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, man, wow. man, praise the Lord. Let's explode the, the church, man. Yeah. All right, Amen. fill up the soul winner list. Amen. William Booth, he was shown all the artworks and gold of the king at Buckingham Palace. And then when the king asked him, you know, what's your passion in life? After the king showed off his passion at the palace. William Booth replied, Sir, some men have a passion for art, fame, and gold. I have a passion for souls. Amen. And that was undoubtable. It was undoubtable that Booth literally breathed in souls. Right. He would literally say souls, souls, souls out of his mouth. That was one of his famous phrases. Why did he call his place the Salvation Army? You didn't know that, right? The Salvation Army, the reason why it was named that way is because of William Booth. How far the salvation fell today, right? Yeah. 
Now, William Booth, he was more concerned about the soul more than the body for people to get saved. Amen. What was evidence that he, he cared so much about souls and reached every soul that he could find in England was at his funeral. There were 40,000 people and all of London, they stopped traffic for two hours just for his funeral. Why? Because he literally went everywhere and anybody he could find to reach wow. the gospel. Praise the Lord. So everyone knew William Booth. Even Queen Mary attended it. And you know, when even when she attended Booth's funeral, you know who she sat next to? Not a nobleman, not a king, or anyone who is royal. She sat next to an ex-prostitute who was saved by William Booth himself. Amen. You know what that was? That's an evidence of that man who literally breathed in souls that wherever you walk in the city, you're going to come across somebody who was touched by William Booth's gospel. Now, I think that would be very great in our city of Santa Clara and San Francisco. It would be very nice that all of them came across a chick track before. Amen. Somebody said, yeah, I saw that before. Or, yeah, I, I've heard of that name of that church before. And, oh, you're the guy that preaches out on the street. And I think that would be nice, you know. Yes, Why don't we make a big, huge explosion, you know. I mean, like John Wesley say, just give me ten good men and we'll shake up the gates of hell. <laughs> yeah. you know, if, we, if only we had ten here, yeah. we'd probably exhaust their resources and spend all the tracks, knock on every door, preach on every street. Perhaps by now the counties and cities will know about the name of Jesus Christ and from this ministry. What we Amen. Amen. Now let's give an explosion here, huh? San Francisco has been a little too quiet lately. Let's give, a, let's give, a, give them another earth, earthquake, shall we? Spiritually speaking, let's give them another explosion, huh? Let's give them something to see. You know what they saw? I'll tell you what they saw. They saw people uh, handing out tracts, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ during these crazy situations. Did you forget what we did with nearly 2,000 of them? And we passed out these uh, chick tracts about... Uh, that address liberal topics? Do you rec- did you forget what the Lord has mightily used us for? Yep. You know what? That was an explosion. And we made a rumble. And we gave a shaking that other people witnessed and saw and got encouraged by our testimony and motivated them to do the same thing as well for Jesus Christ. Yep. Let's keep exploding. Praise the Lord. My third point, be aware of the Savior. Yes. Be aware of the Savior. Look at verse 9. The Lord God Almighty, our Savior, encouraged Paul. He was the one giving the fruits. Notice that he told him, uh, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Woo! You know why the church should explode? Because Jesus said, don't shut up. Keep exactly. holding that yeah. mouth. Okay? Yeah. I mean, you might get your wife to tell you to shut up. You know? Yeah. And you might get uh, some of the people telling you to shut up on the streets. Come on. But guess what? When God God didn't tell you to shut up, yeah, open right. that big fat mouth of yours. Yeah. Use it for Jesus. Amen. Like one like one news media said, you know, I counted a hundred different grammatical errors in your sermon, Mr. Moody. And Mr. Moody, D.L. Moody, stuck out his tongue to the news reporter and said, yeah. I use that for the glory of God. What are you using yours for? Fake news media. Yeah, I like that. Praise the Lord. I like that. So, I mean, if God 
told you to keep using it for the Savior. Why don't you use it for That's the Savior? Good. <laughs> That's right? good, brother. All right, because God, uh, you have to be close with God. You have to be in sync with God. And when you do that, there's going to be an explosion like nothing else. Yes. The Bible says, Zechariah 4, verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We have to understand that God has given us a command. Right. And He's given us a duty. And when God has given us something, nothing can stop That's it. Right. Not even all the coronavirus and Delta variants and E variants, F variants, G variants yeah. and whatever. They're going to fill up the, e, the alphabet list one, eventually one day, I bet you. Yeah. But no matter how much evil people or evil things happen in our life, you can't stop God. Yeah. And guess what? God is going to spread His gospel one way or the other. You can't stop God. You might stop me. You might stop some of the people here, but you can't stop God. Yeah. And His truth will march on. Amen. 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 So let's just keep exploding the church. Why? Because our commander-in-chief told us to do it. Amen. He told you to set out those dynamites and just light them up and let it go. Hey, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. yeah. Praise the Lord. All right. So just, Amen, brother. So just think about... Just think about and just keep looking at Jesus yeah. through everything. That's your problem. You're looking at all the chaos and everything that's going on around you and the odds. And you're not looking at God. And I think that's the reason why a lot of churches have fallen and compromised, especially during these trying times. Right, right. You might say why. They have, uh, they've looked at everything. They looked at their government. They looked at their wickedness around them. They feared the people. They look at the virus. They don't look at Jesus Christ. And if you need to look at Jesus, if you only look at Jesus Christ, then the Lord can bless and do mighty things in your life. But your problem is, is that when you get so focused on, oh, you know, uh, my happiness in my life and mm -hmm. everything that I have to do with social distancing and masking yeah, and, and uh, to find ways where I can make myself happy and get a vaccine shot and to keep the church going and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. When you're all focused and obsessed with virus and then the news and then the conspiracies of how much evil is our governor, how much evil is our people, how much evil is our government, how much evil is America, how much evil... Uh, I already know it's evil. Yeah, yeah. Bro, man, bro, calm down. I already know how much evil it is. <laughs> and you're not focusing on Jesus Christ. That's your problem. It's good, preacher. You know what happened during the past year, of, during the coronavirus and everything? You got your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then I would like to ask you this question. During your social isolation and lockdown where you had plenty of time with God, did you spiritually grow? Did you get closer to the Lord than ever before in the past years? Praise the Lord. You should have during lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. You had plenty of social distancing, isolation, and alone time with Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. If you didn't, then how can God bless and explode your life? Uh. It doesn't matter how much you pull the best efforts to explode a church. It will never work if your life is not fully yielded to the Lord. The greatest hindrance to exploding a church is where you do not yield to the Lord. Didn't you hear that during the summer camp last week? Yeah. I mean, the Lord can't do anything until you yield to Him. Until you listen to Him. Until you give your heart to Him. And when you do that, then He can explode and bless. But if it's not given to Him, He'll never bless. He'll never explode your life. 
They'll never explode this church. Why? Because there's always pride in there. Pride, pride. Pride's there, and God says, too much of a big head, I won't explode his church. Amen. When there's sin in there, God says, oh, there's sin in that person's life that they refuse to repent and get right with me. I'm not going to use that vessel. I'm not going to use an unclean vessel. I'm trying to find a clean one. Faithlessness. When a person starts something for the Lord, I want to preach, I want to teach, I want to come out street preaching and soul winning pastor. And then they just don't come out. After like five months of consistency, they drop out. And God's like, I can't use a faithless servant. I need one that's faithful. It's consistent. Right. When you're emptied of the Spirit's filling, when you don't have the Holy Spirit filling you up like you should, God's like, I can't use a person that's all flesh and has no spirit. When you don't have your, a good Bible reading and prayer life, how can God use your life? He can only use you a partial way, not all the way. And that will be till the day you die if you have a partial relationship with Jesus Christ. The most important thing to explode your life with so much fruits and this ministry is that you have a strong, intimate, closeness, closeness and unity with Jesus Christ and nothing hinders or interferes it and it is out of the way. <laughs> Are you telling me God can't use a person who's fully yielded to him? Isn't it true that God can use so much more from a person who completely yields to Him? Yes. Imagine if one is fully yielded to Him. Right, right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5 says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That is today's church's problem. They relied on their gimmicks, their programs, on how to please Big Brother and how to please other people around them. And they compromise with wrong doctrines. And they say, oh, that's too deep, or that's too conspiracy, or that's too crazy, or that's too controversial. I'll lose my friends. And you know what? That's the problem. Because you depend on this, that's why you get a bigger YouTube channel, huh? And that's the reason why you get more people in your church, huh? And that is your problem. When you depend on these things, guess what? God is going to do the opposite to remind you again. Right. Remember this. Whenever you yield to a program, a gimmick, or a good idea, or you compromise and water down a little bit, just remember that God is going to not fill you, but drop it to kind of remind you again that, see, it didn't work, did it? Right, right. How many times have you done something that you thought would be a good thing, a great idea, and should benefit, but then God did the opposite to say, did you learn your lesson yet? And then you tried again, and you insisted your way, and then God uh, taught you again and said, did you learn your lesson yet? And you kept insisting on going your way, and then God just beat you a little harder so you can get the memo. See, doesn't it hurt? And then God, bam, like that. You ever seen that child who tries yeah. to... Grab that cookie from the cookie jar. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Ow! See, it hurts, so don't do it. <laughs> oh, that little brat, you know. <laughs> Bam! Ah! I told you, don't touch it. <laughs> that is you, man! What is your stinking problem, man? What is your stinking problem? 
problem, man. That's I mean, God teach. don't get a kick out of seeing you cry, right. but you just right. don't get the memo, and God is trying to teach you. See, don't trust in your way of doing things. Go my way. Amen. That's the church's problem. Look, I don't care if what I teach online hurts your feelings onlineers yeah. and you don't agree with my doctrine. Yeah. I'm not interested in a large platform. I'm interested in the way that God told me to do things. Amen. And I don't care how many pastors might disagree with how I pastor my church or teach and preach in my church or online. I got to go God's way yeah. and not by their way of doing things. Yeah. And why? Because I have to go by God's way, not by the wisdom of men. Right. And if I do that, then the Lord can explode my life. Now, I made mistakes, and I'm stupid, all right? And I'm not perfect in my pastoring or teaching and preaching or putting stuff online. But guess what? So far, I think I'm doing pretty good. Amen. Right, right. So far, so good, I think. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. I don't Praise think this Lord. is a bad size. Right? What do you think, you know? Really not good. that bad, right? You know? I think I'm doing an okay job, right, you know? Praise the Lord. So just go on for the Lord yes. and go by God's way of doing things rather than your way. Right. All right, my fourth point. We're going to look at verse 10. We're going to look at verse 10. For I am with thee, and no man shall sit on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. So my fourth point is being aware of the sum. Be aware of the sum. So the, notice the growth, the sum, the numbers. And I think what's important is we're not wary of every single number out there. To explode the church obviously requires numbers. To see a bigger church obviously requires numbers. If you look at Acts, uh, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but Acts chapter 16, verse 31 through 34, you'll notice that Paul, when he was witnessing to the jailer, the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. But he did not put a period there. He said, and thy house. Wow. What was yeah. Paul thinking? Paul's thinking, I'm not just interested in seeing you get saved. Uh, good, how's your wife doing? How's your children doing? Where are they? Oh, they're at home. They're not out here in the streets with us during street preaching time. Let's go over there. I'm going to yeah. go to that house and win that wife Praise and those children to the yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, Paul, he was looking, he was not content with one. He's going, I'm going to grab them all. Got to catch them all, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, the thing is, is that uh, why your church does not explode is because you're, you're content with small aims. If it's okay. just one person in church, I'm content. If it's one soul saved, I'm content. Uh, you know, I might have uh, 20 people or 100 people, 200 people. I'm content where I'm at. No, until you reach all the world for Jesus Christ, you're not done. Right, right, right. And you have to grab every single number out there. Yeah. Amen. Now, obviously, let me ask you a simple question, all right? Do you think that we're going to reach every single person around the world to salvation and we're going to get all 8 billion people saved and there's going to be a worldwide revival? Do you think that's going to happen? Obviously not, right? So then, since that's obviously not the case, this should teach you that, hey, if my goal is to reach every single person around the world, then I'll never reach uh, 
I have to also realize this. I'm not going to reach that goal no matter how hard I try. So because of that, I have to keep witnessing and preaching and reaching every soul out there because it's not going to be too much for God. It'll still be too small. That's why you have to grab every soul out there. Oh, don't worry. What if I get all of San Francisco to salvation, Pastor? What if I do that? What if I have too many people in my church? Don't worry, all right? You won't, all right? There's so much apostasy. You won't, okay? So grab everybody out there. Amen. Don't stop. You have to grab every single number out there. Amen. Just takes one that I lose to lose a Robert Garcia. Just takes two where I lose a Robert Randall and a Sheila Randall. Just takes one or two or three. That's it. To lose something very important. That's right. It builds up a number. Grab everybody out there. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, what if I, you know, Pastor, I, what if, what if I do what you told me to do? I try to grab everybody, and I try to reach them to Christ. I try to get them to church, but I keep getting too many rejections. I keep getting discouraged. No one's getting saved. And well, the worst case is, is that you still have a small church, and you did the biggest sum of work for the Lord. Amen. I, is that harmful, you know? Oh, you know, I... Witness to five million people. You know? I witnessed to five million people and only got five souls saved. And the Lord's going to judge you by the five million that you reach. That's sure better than reaching 200 people only with the gospel and getting 200 saved. That's right. Right, right, right. I mean, that's not enough for compared to the five million that you reach. And guess what? You'll never reach five million. All right, trust me. All right. Trust me, you're not going to win all of San Jose to salvation. San Francisco to salvation. So guess what? Robert, Ralph, Jonathan, and the rest of you, guess what? You're not going to reach enough people, all right? Go out and have fun. All right? you, won't, you won't reach all the people. Don't worry, all right? When I'm going to get too many souls saved. There's no such thing. Trust me, all right? No such thing. We're going to have too many people in our church that's filled out. No such thing, man. Calm down, all right? Calm down. If we get too much, don't worry. We'll we'll have five different churches in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's better anyway. Yeah, Spiritual buffet. <laughs> What's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? You told too many people about hell and how to right, get saved? Right. That's right. That's the worst case? <laughs> the worst case is you talk to too many people to try to get them to a Bible-believing church so that they can hear Bible-believing truth? That's the worst case. What in the world? You know, D.L. Moody, he had ragged children dragging plankwoods to his Sunday school class, and he had to rent saloons for his Sunday school class for kids. Wow. He had to clean up everything, prepare it into a nice church setting. And that's why Christians, they called him Crazy Moody. Wow. But, you know, Moody, he summed to 1,500 children in his Sunday school class. Why? He just went after souls. That's right. Praise he the went Lord. after everywhere. Praise the Lord. C.I. Schofield, he went through a divorce and he left his law firm to pastor a church that had only one man and 11 women. God help him. <laughs> but he summed to 200 people and wrote the Schofield Reference Bible. Praise the Lord. Alan Ryman was poor and he started out in a, a hard state filled with Catholics in Delaware, yeah, but he yeah. summed to 200 people. Missionary Alberto Avales started in a garage somewhere in the middle of Mexico out in the heat, 
He summed to 200 people. Rick Sowell, Pastor Rick Sowell, started in a house, and then he summed up to more than half a thousand. Praise the Lord. Rick DeMichael graduated from one of the most despised institutes in the world, and there's no way you're going to get a big church after that. He summed to 1,000 to 1,500, if not 2,000 people. I mean... uh, Look, uh, let's let's just go grab every single soul out yeah, there and let's right, just guys. climb the numbers. Don't worry, it won't be too much. Trust me, all right? Yeah. It'll never be too much. Amen, amen. My fifth point is be aware of the season. Be aware of the season. And uh, verse 11, verse 11, notice that Paul, he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. He's aware of the season. This is his time that the Lord has given to him to reach the souls. And that's our problem. We're not aware of that, our timing. Timing is so important. Timing is crucial. The most important thing that's considered in the ministry is time. You have to be aware of the season. Psalms chapter 145 verse 15 says, The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in season. Now the problem with you why you get discouraged about your numbers and you don't do great things for the Lord is that you get discouraged about the season God gives to you. That's good. Good things don't come immediately. Alright? Your problem is you're consumed by American consumerism of instant gratification. You need to go through a drive-through and you need to get it on the spot. You need your cell phone to click to the next screen within point one zero 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 one seconds. Otherwise, it's too slow for you. Now, that is your problem. That is your problem. And the devil caught you from that. And that's why you're not growing fruits for the Lord. You know why? You're impatient. How am I going to get a successful church, a successful home, a successful life, a successful even work life or school life, etc.? You need to wait. And because things don't come to your expectations in your timetable, that's why you quit and you get discouraged and you throw in the towel. And what you need to do is that when you want an explosion, great fruit and success in your life, you need to wait. Yeah, that long. Takes (laughs) takes that long. Amen. No matter if you wait for five years or 10 years, 20 years, or even 100 years, or even if you spend all your years, the greatest explosion you gain in the end is your spiritual growth in Christ. And I don't know what you're looking at for your results, but your results are not God's results. I do know for a fact that the person who is faithful to the Lord, even till the day he or she dies, it is impossible that that person died without spiritual fruit. And I mean great, mighty spiritual fruit. And I'm not talking about numbers or your ways of success. The Lord uses somebody. Amen. Someone. Right. Amen, brother. You know, Jesus Christ, uh, when he died on the cross, he only led one soul to salvation by grace through faith alone. Only just one. And that was a thief next to him. He, he died for that. Shouldn't he deserve more souls to get saved? It's because of his spiritual living. His followers were the one that got all the numbers in him. Wow. Jesus said that my disciples, 
are going to do more mighty works than me. Why? Because it had to take his sweat, his tears, his holiness, his, his whole life of living pure and clean, his basically sacrifice. Yeah. He had to sacrifice a lot so that there can be a lot of spiritual fruits. But it did not come in his lifetime. It came after his lifetime. Yeah, it's good preaching. And a lot of times spiritual fruit comes where you don't expect it. You might think you didn't lead a soul to salvation, but some soul got saved because of some person you influenced by your life. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. See, the thing is, it's, it, it's absolutely impossible that no matter how long you wait, you get zero spiritual fruit. Absolutely impossible. You will. That's the worst thing that can ever happen to you in your life. Your spiritual state exploding is far better than exploding a bunch of numbers. And list of souls saved and all the accomplishments you have. The most important thing you want to explode anyway is your spiritual walk in Jesus Christ. Amen. So why not Amen. just live for the Lord and wait? Amen. There was a very wicked drunkard who could not quit his alcohol. They, uh, he sold his horse and his shoes in winter season just for a drink. When he was hospitalized... They gave him a medicine kit so that he can take care of him. But guess what? He sold the medicine kit for just three drinks. Just three more drinks. When his baby died, he was heartbroken, but he still couldn't quit drinking. It was horrible. He lived a miserable life. He wanted to give up. He was going to head toward Lake, Lake Michigan to commit suicide. But he happened to pass by the Pacific Garden Mission, Amen. where there was a guy named Tom who was faithfully waiting for some soul to pass by. And he waited out in the cold of winter. And it was like saying, oh, just one more soul, Lord. Just one more. I wonder who might walk by. And came that wicked drunkard. And Tom went up to him. And then uh, he invited him to come inside to be warm. The drunkard eventually relented. Mackie... Uh, Tom Mackey kept persuading the man to come. The man didn't want to, but he got in. When, he when the drunkard attended the service, he got saved. Amen. Amen. Uh, was it worth waiting that long in the cold for that soul winner, Tom, to lead that drunkard to Christ? Amen. Well, Tom had no idea what that man went through for his life. He was just going by blind faith, without any expectation, without any hope, without any recognition. He just waited. Praise the Lord. He just waited and waited. And that's you when you're street preaching, soul winning, tracking, pastoring a church, trying to bring people to church, and etc. You have no idea what these people are. Right. You have no idea what kind of big accomplishment you're going to make. You're just faithfully and patiently... Doing what you're doing every day. You have no idea, but that's how the Lord works. Amen. So you have to be patient and keep doing it. Oh, by the way, the drunkard's name, you know what his name was? His name was Mel Trotter. That was the famous preacher who preached for Billy Sunday, for Wilbur Chapman, and even for Harry Ironside. And by the way, Mel Trotter, he only left behind about 67 rescue missions. Wow, uh, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Why? Because of a Tom who patiently waited, had no expectation, no big plan, not realizing this is going to be Mel Trotter. I need to win him to Christ. That's right. Just a random Joe yes, who yes. stinks, who's a bum, and who's broken and cold. And then the Tom was just like, him? Him, Lord? Yeah, him. Yeah. Amen. Uh, the person coming to church, he ain't going to come back, Lord. No, get that person. The person, you know, who, uh, you know, they're just going to close the doors again. This rich area is not going to receive Christ, Lord. No, just not. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just the person who's going to walk by. That person doesn't look like he's going to receive a track. She's going to receive a track. Give it to them. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yeah. You know what your problem is? You don't, you're not patiently waiting on the Lord. That's called patience. This is called patience. This is called patience. Showing somebody this. This is called patience. Yeah. You know what I'm doing every Sunday? Every single Sunday when I come up on this pulpit, you know what this is? Patience. And the Lord will explode your life more than ever before. Every head bow and every eye shut, the altar call is open and the Lord let it on your heart. Let's explode San Jose Biobaptist Church. I mean, like, are you with me? Are you motivated that we're going to do great things for the Lord? We're going to explode something? Let's explode the whole uh, area here, the counties, the cities, the... I mean, the souls out here and even in our own church. And more important than that, your own life. Why don't you explode your life? You had a big explosion last week at summer camp. But you know what? The devil, he's about to take away your fire. You're about to light a match and explode the dynamite. But the devil, he's just trying to wear it out. He doesn't want you to explode. Guess what, man? Let it explode. Let it boom. Don't let the struggle stop you. You might say, why? Because struggles make you more powerful. Yes. And some of you need to learn from your struggle and say, what can I use this for the Lord? How can I use this struggle to go one up on the devil? How I can beat him down? How can I be wary of more lost souls and Climb the numbers more. And even if they reject me, at least I can reach more souls. Could I reach not just hundreds and not just thousands, but by the millions? Could I probably do that? Imagine one person, how much they can do, huh? If they just attend visitation, street preaching, and uh, pass out chick tracks, pass out tracks, do their own witnessing. Do you, do you realize how many people you can reach by now? Be aware of the sum. Let's think about not just one or be content with a certain number. Let's reach all the world. I'm not done. I'm not done until I reach every soul around the world. That's my goal. Because I know I'm not going to even reach that high anyway. So no matter what I do, I'll never reach that high. So I'm going to keep going. Let's build the numbers. What I need to do is you wait on the Lord. And that's the problem with many of you. You don't wait. You don't trust in Him. You need to patiently wait. And that's how God can explode your life in your church. Good things come to, come to those who wait. It takes time for God's power to be fully revealed. It takes time. It's called patience. When you're 
nonchalantly just preaching, witnessing, teaching, and coming to church and without realizing that you just impacted somebody's life forever. That's called patience. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? I don't want anybody to leave this church without getting saved. If you died right now, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If not, right now you should get saved before it's too late. Three easy steps. First step is to realize that you sin. Because you sin, you're going to burn in hell forever. Do you realize that? You might go, yeah, I sure realize that. That's obvious. Good. Second point is Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. Why? So his blood can wash away your sin. You might say, wow, uh, why did Jesus die? To get rid of all your sins. So you don't have to go to church, get baptized, do good things to go to heaven to get rid of your sins. Jesus already washed it all away at the cross. So all you have to do is believe in that. That's second. Thirdly, thirdly, you just say it to God. That's it. Third point, you just say to God, God, I know I've sinned, so I repent, but there's nothing I can do about my sin to make my life better. I'm not trusting in my good works. I'm not trusting in going to church and being a holy life. All I can do is just trust and rely on that blood you shed on the cross. It's that simple. Just say it to God. You might say, I don't know how to say it to God. Can you help me out? Sure, I'll give you the words on how to say it. And all you have to do is repeat after me. But mean it with your heart. And you don't even have to say it out loud. You don't have to say, you don't have to say it out loud and embarrass yourself. You can just say it to yourself. You can simply say, dear God, I repent. As a sinner, I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected so his blood can wash away my sin. I only trust in that alone to save me, not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you can keep your heads bowed and eyes shut out of respect for the people next to you. Now, no one is looking around and no one knows who you are. Could you slip up your hand real briefly, just real quick, real briefly, saying, Pastor, I just repeated those words after you and I got saved. Could you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick? I'm not going to point out who you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. Could you just slip it up real quick so I can know someone got saved? All right. Anyone? All right. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much. You may put those hands down and let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, I want to thank you so much for the gospel of salvation. And thank you so much for your word that can keep us motivated, that can keep us repenting and our lives in check and change. Help us to live a life that will glorify you. I pray that we'll see significant explosions out of this church. That would be a great thing, Lord. And, but more so, may I see it in my own personal life with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Church is over. Have a wonderful Sunday. Uh, if you're new to our church, we want to make sure you're properly welcomed.